Welcome to Tulsa Time with Bishop David Condola, a new weekly podcast where we sit down with Bishop to talk all things Catholic happening in the Diocese of Tulsa in Eastern Oklahoma. My name is Adam Minahan and I'm the Director of Communications. And I'd like to invite you to share and subscribe to this podcast. Make sure to share it with your family and friends so they too can figure out what's happening here in the diocese. Uh, Bishop, we're going to talk about the Synod. We just completed the Synod here in the diocese. And so overall, what is the, the Synod and what, what are your thoughts? That is a good place to start because I think probably still we're trying to get our mouths and minds around the word synod. It's, a, it's definitely a church word, not one that we use much. Uh, we would use a word more like meeting or mm -hmm. listening session or brainstorming, which in a way captures what synod is and what Pope Francis refers to uh, so often as synodality. He wants a synodal church, mm -hmm. a church who recognizes that its very life is in the disciples of Jesus Christ talking together about what is Jesus doing with us? What's going on with our lives? Where is the Holy Spirit moving us? What uh, latest activity are we engaging in on behalf of the kingdom of God? So that's sort of what the synod is. A worldwide synod in the fashion that we're doing this one probably was never possible mm -hmm. until literally now. It's precisely the adva advance uh, of technology and of communication power that makes something like this possible. We saw that in our own diocese, mm -hmm. uh, even though this is a very rural uh, diocese, technology is so integral to the proclamation of the gospel here as, as everywhere. So within our synod process, the process of the synod is simply how can we engage with Catholics throughout the diocese to understand those basic questions. How is the life in Christ going for you? What's going on out there? Uh, what do you find to be the most moving, the most exciting? Mm -hmm. What do you find to be the most challenging, the most difficult? Uh, how can we, as we journey together, grow in our faith together? What are the things that will help us to reach out to others and to spread and share the gospel with others? Those are the kinds of questions that we want to discuss. In this particular synod process, we're going to start as we did here at the diocesan level, mm -hmm. then imagine all of what we collected. We heard from over a thousand people within this diocese. We had something like almost 30 listening sessions across parishes and uh, institutions within the diocese. We had several hundred people responding to online questionnaires and so forth. Uh, we even had one group that was meeting for their synod listening session during a tornado warning in Cushing, I think is where they were. Only, only in Oklahoma, huh? <laughs> so that, was, that was very exciting for them. Um, but then imagine, okay, so we get all that input. Now we're going to, to uh, reduce that input to 10 pages. That's the format that's given to us by the synodal office. 
so that our diocese produces a report that is 10 pages, as every other diocese in the world is going to do, mm -hmm. then those diocesan reports are going to be filter, <clears throat> pardon me, filter up to the national level of all the different countries, and those diocesan reports are going to be uh, filtered into a report of about 10 pages or so, and then all those national reports will go to the actual Senate itself in Rome. So it's an amazing process, one that took great pastoral uh, courage and vision from Pope Francis to initiate. Although I was talking with someone about this, compared to uh, John the 23rd announcing that there's going to be a new Vatican Council, this is uh, not as uh, requiring as much, perhaps, faith and, and courage as, as that one did, although it took a lot. Uh, I think it went very well in our diocese. We had lots of participation throughout the diocese in the rural areas and the cities and the schools and the other institutions. And um, the kind of feedback that we got back, I don't think there was anything in it that was uh, really surprising. And I would have been surprised if there was anything really surprising in it because in the United States and in the church in the modern world generally, uh, and again, because of our media, we have such a good ongoing sense of what's happening, what's mm -hmm. happening within the church, what's happening within the parishes. All the parishes have websites, all the parishes have Facebook pages, uh, the diocese itself asks for various kinds of reports and things from the entities within the diocese. The parishes now all operate with pastoral councils and finance councils, um, other kinds of advisory groups. The schools have uh, boards of directors and so forth. So with all of that going on all of the time, mm -hmm the church is living in a synodal way. It simply is, in the United States anyway, living in a synodal way, in which there's always a lot of, of uh, input being received. What the Holy Father was wanting to direct our attention to and make us be sensitive to is what about the fringes? Mm -hmm. So, you know, mostly the things you hear and the things you see on the websites and so on and so forth are going to be from the faithful, from the people who are coming to Mass themselves or who are engaging with the parish or in the ministries of the diocese and so forth. Those are the people who are already involved. But what about people who are suffering? What about people who are homebound? What about people who are poor and homeless? Uh, what about people who, because of their uh, the challenges that they have experienced in their own life, feels like the church is not helping them. Right. And so they're drifting away from the church. How do we find out what they're thinking so mm -hmm. that we can also try to invite them back? So that's a kind of an overview from, yeah. from my perspective of, of uh, the process. We used a, a, um, a wonderful uh, apostolate called Catholic Leadership Institute to help us organize and coordinate all the different aspects of our synodal process and it made it go very smoothly.
Yeah, and so what I think would be good is maybe over the next couple of weeks, we would just pick out some of the answers that we heard from, from the people who participated in the Synod mm -hmm. and just kind of get your thoughts on them. Uh, maybe if they had a question, get, give you an opportunity to maybe address those. So that way, those who feel like maybe they haven't been heard can be heard. Sure, exactly. That, that's one, again, so here we are look, talking about uh, the modern world and media. We can do that. Imagine uh, 50 years ago even, I mean 30 years ago even, uh, you do a process like this, you hear from people, but then how would a bishop get something out? Right. Uh, he would write some letter, I guess, or something. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody reads the bulletin, right? Well, certainly they're going to read a long letter from the bishop. <laughs> not <laughs> likely, not as likely. And if you're not coming to mass or the various things, you're not going to see it anyway, because that's where those things are distributed. Right. So having this kind of a forum uh, in which, in a way, I would think of it as passive. A person who may not be Catholic, a person who maybe was Catholic and has drifted away, a person who has questions or interests, but they don't want anyone else to know they do, can uh, log on to a, a blog like this. Do you call it a blog? A podcast. A, a podcast like sure. this. Can log on to a podcast like this on their own, in, in their own privacy, and engage with the material that, that's discussed there. And it gives them a way to find some things out. Maybe after several such kinds of encounters, they then are motivated to seek out someone in person, mm -hmm. maybe at a parish, maybe a family member, a friend, a co-worker, uh, and then they move their way into uh, communion with right. the church. Which is ultimately what we're wanting to do. We're going to evangelize all of Eastern Oklahoma. Exactly. Okay, so let's get into it. The, the first question that was asked in the Senate was, what fills you with joy about the church? And where do you find joy in your life with Christ and his church? So without question, this is one of the things I love about the people of Eastern Oklahoma. Without question, the most often named sources of joy were the Eucharist and Christ himself. Right. What, what were your thoughts when you read that for the first time? Well, it's affirming because we haven't even really gotten into the Eucharistic revival. We've just now, okay, so Synod was not enough for you. How about Eucharistic revival? Uh, <laughs> we're just now launching a three-year Eucharistic revival in the church in the United States, a recognition that COVID has hurt us, mm -hmm. uh, that all of the, the after effects of COVID, both from the disease itself, but also the social and cultural um, responses to the disease, many of which were over the top, uh, has hurt us so that a lot of people have drifted away. And so how do we get them back to the Eucharist? And so this Eucharistic revival is a, a three-year process of trying to once again emphasize that the main thing about the church is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And in terms of the main thing about Jesus is that he comes to us in the Eucharist. The source so, and summit of our faith. Right, source and summit. That's the language of the church and the Vatican documents. And so to hear that the people in eastern Oklahoma are most motivated and most excited about the, their sense that in the Eucharist they're able to encounter and be encountered by Jesus Christ himself, that's perfect. That's exactly what we would want to hear. Uh, now, 
how can we then improve that and how can we make that available to others who aren't coming? Mm -hmm. Every parish knows you have the faithful choir, so to speak. That's where the term comes from. He's preaching to the choir. Well, the choir is the choir because they're always there. Right. Uh, how do you get beyond the choir? Uh, we're going to talk about that in some of the other responses. The choir themselves have to go out and do the work. Yeah. Um, here, here's another one for you. This is one I, I thought was very interesting because they said that they found joy in prayer, which right. is a good thing, right? right. This is right. good that they found joy in prayer, but they were confused and they didn't understand why God doesn't answer their prayer. Right. Yeah, I think that for a lot of us, uh, we're novices, very much novices at prayer. And because we're novices at prayer, we tend to think that saying prayers is sort of the main thing about prayer. But prayer is communion with God. And literally a person can be saying prayers and have their mind completely not on God. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, we can all do that. Uh, I pray the rosary in my truck all, all often. Well, you can be pretty distracted depending on the traffic pattern right. as you're praying the rosary in your vehicle. So, I mean, I know I'm not guilty of finishing, hitting the glory B and realizing that I didn't even focus one time on the mystery that right. was, I was praying. <laughs> right. Or, or the time that uh, in a parish that I was at, the associate pastor was praying the creed during mass and it turned into the Gloria. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone just went right along just, with it. Without a beat. Missing and then beat finally up. he stopped it and said, no, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not praying the creed anymore. <laughs> so the question assumes that prayer is about asking God to give me things. And if I don't see those things show up, then God is not answering prayer. But there's so much more for us to discuss about prayer than that. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to Tulsa Time with Bishop David Condrilla. Be sure to like, follow, and share, and we look forward to seeing you next week.